Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is the Attack on Titan special event. In honor of the epic conclusion to the show that defines this generation of anime, we're reviewing every single episode of the final season. This week, we're reviewing episode 65, The Warhammer Titan. As always, there'll be spoilers about anything that's happened previously in Attack on Titan, so you've been warned. So right out the gate for this episode fucking amazing amazing episode like it felt like five minutes it went by so fast yeah i think the word to describe this episode is just fuck because <laughs> yeah <laughs> holy that's, shit that's just how extraordinary watching this was and i was as i was watching this episode i got this same feeling that i got when you know we were all watching the final season of like game of thrones on sundays like it just felt like that kind of mood before we found out all the not so fun parts about that season but yeah season eight in general is poo 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 but the rest of the i mean the show overall was amazing and I, i can totally see what you mean like that that feeling of just like being on the edge of your seat throughout the whole episode and then being left with such a cliffhanger that that you're just dying to get to next week's episode yeah and this one was just you know big reveal after big reveal after big reveal and like you said before you know it, the episode's over and I, I don't know i felt like this this episode felt like an hour but like you said it goes by so quickly that it feels more like five minutes in the in the reality of it i know by the time it was done i was sitting there looking around like it's over already like i feel like we've like, it's barely even started, but that's the sign of a, a really amazing episode. Um, and before we dive in further, we did want to bring up something that, that we're really excited about. So we recently found out that Strictly Anime appears on the popular podcast list in the animation and manga category of Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Round of applause. We're very excited about this because um, we've really enjoyed making this podcast and strictly jojo over the last several months and to see this um to see our name appear or our podcast name appear alongside so many amazing anime and manga and other entertainment podcasts was it was really cool so we just wanted to share that that little exciting moment for us and we're so thankful for all the support over the last several months we we really do appreciate it yeah it's crazy to think that like two months from now will be our like one year anniversary of this podcast and you know i didn't think like a year before like going into this we would have such a like growing listener base to the point where again we're acknowledged among these other great anime and like manga podcasts so um as courtney has said i i also want to thank everyone deeply for their support and for just lending their ears to listening in to our weird conversations um, about about anime. Yeah, our our opinions on, on the things that we watch and we all enjoy, the world of anime. Um, but with that said, let's jump back into Attack on Titan because there is a lot for us to talk about. Um, let's start really quickly with overall thoughts and let's get right into the synopsis because there are things that I want to break down and like really, really talk about in depth. Um, but what were your, your like biggest thoughts thoughts about this episode again the one word i can use to describe it is just fuck (laughs) (laughs) um you know like the last episode was was great because you know it had its quiet but intense moments but then this episode capitalized more on like having these epic and intense moments and kind of cranking up the dial to 11 um again in terms of just the initial exposition um between Maggith and Willie Tiber um, about their motivations going into the whole um, play production and then obviously you have all the sequences of the battle in Liberio um, the reveal of the Warhammer Titan and you know how Aaron deals with the Warhammer Titan and then you have the appearance of the parody squad so there's just a lot that goes on in this episode and it you don't feel like it's crammed in like it seems like one thing just seamlessly flows into another. Um, so in terms of like pacing, this this episode was well paced, and again, it gave us basically everything that we've been asking for 
um, for the past five episodes. I couldn't agree more. I, I was going to say the exact same thing. Like, this is what we have been waiting for for like, what, That's over what a year? we've been waiting for. <laughs> for like over a year now since the end of season three. Um, and while the last episode was really intense, really great to watch, I thought we were going to get more from it. And I think maybe I mentioned this in the last podcast episode, but I thought we were going to get more in terms of like like actual substance around like Reiner's motivations and like what's happening next and you know what's happened over the the last four years and all that but we didn't get as much of that and while we really didn't get it I guess in this episode either we got other stuff that we've been waiting for so I I was very very happy by the end of this um I I thought it was fantastic and and yeah it was I think this is gonna be one of the most difficult waits until next week's episode mm-hmm. since probably the was it season two or season three when reiner dropped that that bomb on aaron that he was the the armored titan and then we had to wait to the next episode to, to yeah. see what would happen next like i think that was probably the last time i had this difficult of a time waiting for the next episode and here we are again because it was just epic for me i would say it also the episode um waiting for the one after the survey corps reaches um aaron's basement and then you find out like there's a whole other world and now we know that it's marley um waiting in anticipation for that episode for me too is kind of similar to again waiting for this cliffhanger um when we come into next week's episode but enough chit chat let's go ahead and jump into attack on titan episode 65 the warhammer titan in the prologue, Wet Willy says what appears to be his final goodbyes to the Tiber family, and we learn through a conversation with General Commander, I don't know his title anymore, Maggot, that they anticipated a Paradis attack on Marley and Soil, and that Wet Willy intended to make himself a martyr in order to properly frame the Devils of Paradis as a through-and-through enemy of Zawardo. Back in present day, it's time for Marley's first annual Scario in Liberio, as Aaron Jägermeister devours Wet Willy in one gulp and smashes through the Marley brass faster than the Marleyan Fuhrer has a chance to say, Oh, heil no. As Aaron continues on his GTA rampage, Zofia and Udo are respectively crushed and trampled to bits, and Wet Willie's sister, Lady Tiber, reveals herself as the wielder of the Warhammer Titan to confront Aaron, who pummels the shit out of her face before she can fully transform. Galliard and Piek are rescued by the Panzer unit and contemplate their next move when Marley's reckoning arrives in the form of the motherfucking Survey Corps in their ODM 2.0 gear. The Warhammer Titan gets a rebuttal and impales Eren and devises a weapon out of its hardening ability to deliver the fatal blow until Mikasa shows up to tell that bitch off using her blades, then promptly tells Eren off for how much their Eldian insurance premium is going to increase and begs him to come home. Gung-Ho Gabby tries to make it back into the war zone to find Falco Punch and Reiner, and upon witnessing best potato girl Sasha Browse kill two guard acquaintances, she grabs one of their rifles and decides to go postal. Sasha and Connie rendezvous with John and the rest of the squad, and Waka Flocka, in his new BTS K-pop group hairstyle, voices his support for El- Aaron's Eldian PR disaster. As the Warhammer Titan tries to re-up, Aaron sees that the wielder is not in the nape, but rather in a crystal shell attached to the foot. He goes back into attack titan mode, and attempts to devour Lady Tiber, but oh, Porco's jaw titan comes in to try and eat Eren, but bigger oh, his meal is interrupted by none other than the man from the underground standing at 5 feet 2 inches, my boy Levi! Levi's only 5 foot 2? Yeah, I had to look that up. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah, he's only 5 feet 2 inches. I'm like not that much shorter than him, wow. That and is, I am much taller than him, apparently. <laughs> that is wild. Okay, um, that that's good to know. Well, first of all, where to begin? I mean, we'll start from the beginning, but like really, where to begin with this episode? Um, I think my first comment is, welcome back, original cast. We missed you all so much. So much. I mean, clearly they're saving Armin's big return for like the next episode or something, because um, he's there. Like, I'm convinced he's that soldier from the last episode, the one that... Um, Piek was like suspicious of mm-hmm. but uh we'll see we'll see we're, we're excited for you to also return to us Armin but the, the start of the episode is again Willie and Magath talking more openly more transparently about 
um, their overall plan. I'm still wondering what specifically gave it away that the scouts had infiltrated um, Marley. I, I'm curious to know, like, I, I'm sure the scouts did their absolute best to make sure that they were hidden, but what specifically gave it away to Willie and, and to the Marley commanders? I think one hint of that is the ambassador from the, the East or from Hizuru. Like, she obviously knew about it, and I don't know if she was in on the plan at all, but that might have been one thing to tip off Willie, however he found out. But yeah, other than that, all he says is, like, he mentions, like, moles. I forgot what what word he says, but, like, just talking about the moles in the military who had maybe helped uh, parodies infiltrate Marley. And that's still, uh, again, up in the air. Yeah, hopefully we'll get a lot more clarity on that. But at least we did get a lot of clarity on some of the cryptic conversations that we were suspicious of back in episode 63. So that, that was the episode where Willie was first introduced um, as a quick refresher. And um, through that episode, Willie and Magath have two separate conversations where they're they're speaking almost in, in riddles um, about kind of the, the state of Marley and the internment zone and all of this. So we talked about this cryptic conversation in our podcast episode on Attack on Episode sorry, Attack on Titan episode 63, um, where we were speculating that this was actually about some sort of, you know, impending attack or whatever. So I think we were basically on the right track because when they were saying things mm-hmm. like there's a demolition because things are decaying and that the house is already infested with rats, blah, blah, blah. I, I think we kind of called that one. Yeah, and it all makes sense here, like why Willie wanted to make himself front and center. Um, obviously, like he knew that... Doing so would just make him a big target. And as I mentioned in the synopsis, like he intended to be almost like a, a Franz Ferdinand in, you know, being the catalyst that sets off this war between Marley and Paradis. And like what other way what better way to do it by than by like inviting basically the entire world into Marley and specifically into their internment zone. So that they can be like uh, front row witnesses to this madness and really establish the uh, Paradis Eldians as like the evil aggressors. So it's unfortunate because, you know, Paradis, the Paradis squad played right into Willie's hands. But I think this is just another example of, you know, propaganda being used to its fullest effect. But Commander Magath says at one point when they're fighting, when they're like in that room um, and they're kind of shooting out the windows at the scouts, he says something like they they, co- they couldn't have not known what they were getting themselves into. Um, I don't know. The way he said it made me feel like he was acknowledging that on some level, the scouts know this overall plan. They know that the world is trying to be turned against them. Um, so maybe they have their own counter plan for this counter plan to their original plan. Um, but yeah, I thought the same thing. I'm like, there's got to be some way they would have known. Because, I mean, the fact that Aaron knew this this performance was going to take place, he picked the exact perfect location, had Reiner come down and even told him to listen in on what Willie was saying, tells me that he had some hunch as to, to what was going to happen or at least what Willie um, was trying to, to, I don't know, spread to the audience. Yeah, I had this, like, very small theory that um that parodies had a mole within the tiber family itself like i don't know if it could have been one of the guards or even one of the family members i mean i don't really see that theory play out in the previous episode or in this episode so um but i I could see something like that happening because it just doesn't make any sense to me that willie is half eldian and he is so hell-bent on getting rid of all eldians calling them all devils like there's something else there that we're still not um we're still not seeing or that we haven't you know that information hasn't been shared with us yet so i i don't know i i could see that something to that effect um actually taking place because i'm like you're i I don't know i I just wonder why he he hates them so much but i was thinking about this whole situation a little bit more um and to your point earlier you know it seemed like for a while throughout these last couple episodes aaron and the scouts had full advantage of the situation and we see now that the whole performance was intended to draw them out and show the world's leaders how truly, you know, evil they are, that they are really the devils. Um, so either Aaron doesn't care. So if, if what I'm thinking is true, that he does have some hunch as to what's going on, he either doesn't care or, to your point, he fell right into their trap. 
And I'm I'm looking forward to learning about how this all pans out for Paradise because if the entire world is against you, you they either have to try really, really, really hard to convince them all that they're good or completely dominate all of them. And I think they chose the second um second piece in this episode right well part of me is like i think aaron chose the second piece i don't know if everyone's on board and we'll we'll get to that in a second when we chat about mikasa's reintroduction um but that's another thing i'm like okay there's there's already starting to be some sort of rift or something not quite aligning right within the scouts so real quick i do want to mention um r.i.p udo and zofia Fuck them. <laughs> like, oh, Fuck man. Them. Talk about brutal deaths, though. <laughs> I mean, hopefully Zofia died a quick death because she was, you know, crushed under a giant rock. Um, Udo, not so much because he got trampled to death. He had a chance to escape. Um, understandably wanted to try and save Zofia, although there's literally no way any human could move that boulder. And then got stepped on a lot. They were pretty much throwaway characters from the start. Because obviously, like, there are four warrior candidates, but Falco and Gabby are the most prominent among the four. Um, and, you know, like, as much as, like, these first five episodes tried to make us um, form a connection with these candidates, like, those two in particular, Zofia and Udo, like, I didn't really care. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think they're just there as plot devices to fuel Gabby and possibly Falco's um, desire for revenge. Mm-hmm. I think that's what, what their their purpose is. But either way... R.I.P. And then we get um, more insight into what was happening with Piek and Galliard. Um, and we see that Piek warned the Panzer unit about the the soldier she was suspicious of, a.k.a. my suspicion is Armin. Um, and it makes sense. I think it would have gone all too conveniently for the scouts if that didn't happen. And also for her intuition to be that spot on. Um, I'm sure that's part of the reason she was chosen as a warrior candidate or a, a Titan inherit inheritor. I don't know what they are. Titan transformer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's part of the reason she was chosen for that anyway, because she's she's a smart cookie. And that gives more context to the Panzer unit's reactions from the last episode. Because I know I hypothesized that, you know, for Piek to hug one of them because they are tr- uh, true-blooded Marleans and you have this honorary marleyan who but still eldian person coming up to hug them like what are the long-term effects of that but now we know in this episode it was just they were probably in shock that something was amiss um during this whole festival and of course we have to talk about the thing for which this episode is named after the appearance the first appearance of the warhammer titan which i believe is the last of the nine warrior titans to be revealed Unfortunately for me, I don't know if I told you this, I kind of spoiled the Warhammer Titans appearance um, for myself because it was used in one of the key visuals that was going around online. But, you know, I made sure to like scroll really fast so I didn't get the full picture. But we see it up here like it it forms from the foot upwards, as Aaron noted during the episode. The appearance is kind of underwhelming for me. <laughs> I thought the transformation was cool. Yeah. Like the whole, the way they showed the visual of the transformation, like almost godlike mm-hmm. the way like the, the Warhammer Titan was, was like formed. I don't know how to describe it. Like it's super bright and like the Warhammer Titan's kind of leaning back, looking up towards the sky and just like becoming this huge mountain of a Titan. I thought that, that was cool, but the actual mm-hmm. appearance is kind of underwhelming. Yeah. Again, like, the introduction of the Warhammer Titan and the way it transforms, like you said, is very like epic and just really detailed. And then you see her um, in her full form. And to me, it looked like a Titan that was kind of encased in like a BDSM suit or like a, <laughs> like a gimp suit, um, which, you know, for this being the very final Titan that we see in the series, I would have expected... You know, for, it's called the Warhammer Titan. I was expecting something along the lines of, you know, Thor. With a, I know it's a girl, but like having a beard or like the, the the helmet with like the Valkyrie wings or something. Well, with that said, you're bringing up a good point. So the, the Titan wielder is, um, I think that's the word I was looking for earlier, instead of a Titan inheritor or whatever. Mm-hmm. The Titan wielder is female but the actual body structure of the warhammer titan looks to be more male which is interesting because i think we talked about maybe in the first episode of attack on titan 
Attack on Titan final season discussions um, that you got Annie, who's the female Titan. And she, I mean, it's intentionally like a female figure. And I was mm-hmm. wondering like, oh, if a man inherited it, inherit, you know what I mean? If the man, if a man got, got. <laughs> if a man got the female Titan powers, would the female, first of all, would that work? Second of all, would the female Titan still look female? So I'm thinking it would actually be a yes. Like if a man could inherit the female Titan powers, it would probably still look like a female because here we have a female who inherit who who took on the Warhammer Titan powers, but has the figure of a male. So I was like, and I, I like that too because it kind of throws you off as to who the the wielder is. Like if you didn't, if we didn't see it was Willie's sister, we would have never known, and and neither would I mean neither do the scouts because it looks like a man. I'm looking at a, an image right now, and yeah, it could go either ways. I would say it's like very slender at best, like a very slender figure. So for me, it would. It looks more like androgynous, like it could go either way. But, yeah. Um, I can see your point of, and you wouldn't really know um, just looking at it right away if it were male or female. And we see that the Warhammer Titan overall is incredibly strong. I mean, what an OP power to have when you can just make anything you want out of thin air. But I like, you mentioned this, like before its head can even fully transform like Aaron just punches the shit out of it <laughs> which is crazy because in anime oftentimes what you see is like the transformation of a villain and the hero just like stands there letting it happen instead of interrupting the transformation before it can be complete or vice versa the transformation of a hero and the villain's just standing there like okay I guess I'll let them transform fully before I start fighting them Aaron breaks that cycle and starts smashing the shit out of its head. He's like, nah, bitch. Yeah, because he means business. Like, he's not here to fuck around, okay? Like he said last episode, he's got enemies to defeat, man. Like, he's got things he's, he needs to do. And yeah, he just, he went all out on the Warhammer Titan. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I also find it fascinating that the Warhammer Titan's, like, main ability is that it can, I guess, use the hardening ability that all these Titans have to create any weapon that it envisions. Because you see in this episode, it first creates the eponymous Warhammer. Which looks like a meat cleaver because it has like yeah. those little like sharpie points, sharpie, sharp points on it. Like don't meat cleavers have those? Yeah. <laughs> it and then like it's cleaver. attached to like a, a, a vaulting pole. Yeah. It's so <laughs> like... thin and long. Yeah. Um, and then I think um, when Mikasa is trying to distract it, it uses a sword. Um, or before that, it also manifested a crossbow and I think thought later on it um, manifested like some sort of whip but i think that was just like the the rope that was attached to its foot to where the wielder's crystal was encased um yeah very interesting ability kind of like momo's quirk in my hero well speaking of so, so like the actual titan wielder um i think they gave her a name on the official wiki like they revealed her name yeah it's um lara tiber yeah so lara like I just find it so funny that this is probably one of the strongest, if not the strongest, Titan, um, or at least what seems to be like immortal. But it also has the biggest fucking weakness. It has a fucking like power cord plugged into its heel and like attached to the user, which is the source <laughs> of its power. So how far can this thing even go from from the Titan wielder, first of all? And second of all, like it took Aaron no time at all to look down and see this big fucking power cord. And he's like, Oh, all I got to do is unplug that. And this thing shuts down, which is literally what he did. Yeah. That's an, it's an interesting weakness. Cause again, like you said, it, it's, it could be constri- considered the strongest Titan, but it has this limit to it. Um, where I'm, I'm sure it's like limited by its range. Yeah. It's the, it's the most, it's probably the strongest, but the most vulnerable mm-hmm. of all the Titans. But immediately after we get this reveal of the Warhammer Titan, we get what is probably my favorite part of this entire episode, and that's the reintroduction of Mikasa. And the reason it's my favorite is mostly because of what Eren says when he is about to get his shit smashed in by the Warhammer Titan, and he looks all calm and everything, and he just says, now or never, Mikasa, because he knows how trustworthy and caring she is to him, and he knew she'd rescue him. Like he had no doubt about it. Like he probably hasn't seen her in so long because he's been undercover in the internment zone. And all he had to do was like send a fucking letter. That's all he had to do. Like their bond is so strong that all he had to do was send her ass a letter and bam, she's there. 
like on on time she's there well how did he know he was she was gonna show up right when he said and he like whispers it too because right. he knows, like that's that's their bond, right? <laughs> like they're they're they've grown up together. He, he knows how much she cares about him and what she's willing to do to protect him. So mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool, and and part of that is because I felt like Mikasa and Armin took a back seat in season three. Um, I, so I'm really hoping for more of the main trio, like to to see more of them and then be at the forefront again in this final season. Um, Because, again, I I adore Aaron and Mikasa's bond, and I adore their friendship with Armin. Like, they're the main trio. They're the main characters, in my eyes, of this show. Um, They always will be, and I want them to be at the front and center again. By the way, did you notice this? Uh, Mikasa and Aaron switched haircuts. Yeah, they did. (laughs) He's got her long hair from season one, and she has his hair from any other time before season four. Mm. But I think what makes her appearance um, even more interesting is you mentioned this earlier there seems to be this this rift between her and Aaron Um, I think she implies that Aaron had this like self-imposed mission to go to Marley and basically fuck shit up and she's trying to tell him like look at all of these these basically these war crimes you've committed Um, like you've killed civilians and you're causing like an insurance mess for us um it's time for you to come home now like hearing that makes it interesting because you know like was this mission like this infiltration mission really approved by like the survey corps or by you know the the government of parodies i completely agree i mean this is huge that mikasa wants aaron to come home um and, and it seems like, to your point, he's gone rogue because she scolds him for, for all this destruction, all the killing that he's done. And it's like he's too focused on defeating his enemies to the point where he's moving on his own and is completely unsympathetic to the innocent lives that are caught up in this war. I mean, when she points that out, he's like, it's not over yet. And he points to the Warhammer Titan getting back up instead of like stopping and reflecting on all the destruction around him that he caused. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because we talked about in the last episode, last podcast episode about AOT, that um, that he has had insane character development. He's remained so calm and cool um, amidst everything that's happening. And I'm almost wondering now if his character development has progressed in the wrong direction because the old Aaron would have freaked the fuck out if an innocent person got killed. Um, so I don't know. I, th- I think his character development is is very, very impressive, but I'm wondering what direction it's heading. And by the way, the fact that he transformed twice in a matter of minutes shows that he's not only had like mental growth, but he's had physical growth, specifically in his Titan abilities. Because have we seen anybody transform twice that quickly before? No, I think a lot of characters emphasize that, you know, it, it takes a lot out of you to even just transform into a Titan. And so there's like this cooling off period that you have to endure first before you can just jump right back into it. But yeah, apparently like Aaron is OP enough to just jump right back into it. Yeah, that reminds me of like, I don't know if it was season one or two, but there was that moment where Aaron was desperately trying to transform and he was like biting his hand and he could not do it and he was so frustrated. So again, another um, another piece of evidence as to his growth, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how like he's going to handle this whole situation and how the survey corps is going to handle him handling the situation. Yeah, and um, slight spoilers here for anyone who has not watched uh, Vinland Saga, which we do have an episode out for that. We do. But it seems like Eren is being consumed by, you know, like this violence and, you know, his own vengeance on Marley, where, like you said, we saw him in the last episode being very rational with Reiner, you know, talking through their respective motivations for why they're doing the things that they're doing but obviously at the end of that conversation he tells reiner you know i'm here to fuck shit up anyways um so for him it's throwing away that reason for revenge where the ends to him justify the means um so it's like you said it's going to be interesting to see how his character goes from here and i think one thing in this episode that I started to see is like I get this endless cycle of violence um, because this whole episode was basically like a parallel to the fall of Shiganshina in in season one, right? Because 
you have these invaders coming in and attacking someone's home turf and just all chaos breaks loose. And now that like Gabby's in Aaron's position in this case. So it, it's kind of a question of like, you know, is this violence ever going to end? Cause that's what King Fritz wanted to do in the first place. But now it seems like the wheel is, is turning once more. So are we ever going to get an instance like in game of Thrones where these characters are going to try to break the wheel or is it just history repeating itself all over again? Yeah, it's it's crazy how Aaron, for as long as we've known him, has been fueled by what happened on that day. Was what's the title of it or like the episode oh. title or something where oh, it's no, like, it was on, like on that day yeah. uh, humanity received a grim reminder. Yeah, so when you think about like on that day, um that that's been his his driving force what happened to his mom and what happened to the people around him and, and his home that's his, that's been his driving force up until this point and now he's literally caused the exact same thing to happen to somebody else god damn it Aaron. but speaking of gabby she is officially annoying as fuck <laughs> i was on the fence about her to begin with and now she's on my bad list and the reason why is because this bitch, like two soldiers got shot because her dumb ass was distracting them. And then she gets all pissed at Sasha. Like, bitch, don't be mad at Sasha for doing her job while you're getting getting in the way of two soldiers and causing them to die. Like if she had just listened to everybody and like gone home or at least like pretended to go home and then snuck back in, those two soldiers probably wouldn't have died. Although Sasha seems like really OP with her sniper rifle and they probably would have still died. Mm -hmm. um, but at least they would have had a fighting chance. But again, here's Gabby distracting them and causing them to die and then getting mad at Sasha. I think in her case, as I said, like she's in Aaron's position um, back when Shigunchina fell. Um, but I also think this is just a reality check for her. As I mentioned before, like she's very gung-ho when it comes to this like Marley and Eldian conflict. And when we see her in the first episode of this season, um, being so overly confident that she can stop that anti-Titan tank, um, like she feels like she has an advantage in this, in this war. And then now that the war is brought to her home front and she's, she's seeing these atrocities um, and all this like chaos raging around her, like she is kind of, woken up to like again the, rea the reality of war a hundred percent i was gonna say the exact same thing like it's easy for her to be so excited about the fight from the first episode of the season because mm -hmm. to your point they had the advantage like marley was on top of the world almost literally at that moment and then here she's seeing like this is what true war is like when you're not at the advantage or even when you are at the advantage like things can change very suddenly as they have on this day yeah and now she is down that, that path of vengeance. So there again, the wheel keeps turning. <laughs> but I wonder why Gabby and Sasha stare at each other for so long. Yeah. And I have two theories. It's either one, she's going to shoot Sasha, or two, they're related because they look very similar. I think you brought this up. Their last names are very similar too, like yeah, Brown and Browse. Yeah, Gabby Brown, Sasha Browse. I really hope it's number two because I do not want Sasha to get shot by this bitch or by anybody. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens next. I also I don't want to I'm not going to spoil anything, but I did accidentally stumble upon a um, an upcoming episode title that makes me like super nervous, like really nervous. So if anyone's brave enough to go look on Wikipedia at the upcoming titles um, or episode titles, like I did accidentally, um, you know you've you've been warned. But yeah, there's some there's some crazy stuff that's going to come up, I think. And um, whether or not it's related to Gabby and Sasha, we shall see. But we cannot forget to mention the triumphant return of the Paradise Squad. And I love the way that this episode frames the return of the Sur Survey Corps. Because it's like there are these mysterious flying creatures that are destroying everything in their path. And it, it like almost like a... Like Eldian Delta Force is the best way I can describe it. Um, because in prior seasons, you know, it felt like they were kind of inept at what they were doing, um, unsure of how to, you know, attack these Titans head on. But now that four years have passed and they've they've matured and developed their um, their weapon technology, it seems like they're more focused now, like they know what their objectives are and they, they just attack it. 
um, straight on without hesitation. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. Like, if you think about the end of season three, um, I think that was when, wait, was that when Zeke was like bombarding the the group that was stuck in um, in the walls and like then Levi comes and like slices them down and all that? Was that season three? I think so. We all know what, that, what scene I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Like that epic showdown between Levi and Zeke and his Beast Titan form. Mm-hmm. Like that, I think about the, the scouts around them, right? Where um, where Erwin is leading them to the charge and he knows that most of them are going to, if not all of them are going to die. Like they were panicking. They were freaking out. There was so much chaos to your point. And yeah, this is a complete 180. Like they are such a well-oiled machine, at least on the surface, um, that it's, it's really impressive. And it's so eerie I, one of my favorite sounds because i think we talked about this in the last episode or, or one of the recent episodes the sounds that the titans make when they roar like how creepy and like amazing that is i think a similarly eerie and amazing is the sound of the odm gear or like the new gear as the scouts zip by like very stealthily because thinking back to that scene i mentioned earlier where Magath and a bunch of the soldiers are hiding out in that like corner apartment or whatever and it's dark and they're shooting through the windows um you just you don't you barely even see them they just whiz by but you hear like that whiz of the odm gear and it's just freaky like if you were in their shoes which in that scene you you kind of are like that's scary you don't know what to expect and you don't know where they're at and then they just throw a grenade at you and explode you right because we're looking at the the parody squad or the survey corps through the eyes of marley and it's clear like they are no match for them because of just how quick and easy they can maneuver around things um so yeah, I can't say enough. Like they've become such an elite squad compared to like the Titan fodder that they used to be, and I just love that trajectory and I love that growth. Um, and even just looking at their gear, they use a, like a modified ODM gear. I think they have like some sort of grappling hooks on their pistols or like the thunder spear um, ejectors or whatever to to again increase their maneuverability. Although I noticed that. Levi and Mikasa, I think our friend Kevin pointed that out, Mikasa still, both characters are the only ones that still have their original ODM gear. Because they're Ackermans, man. They don't yeah. need new, they don't need new gear, okay? They, they've got their skills that'll, that'll handle all the work. <laughs> I do really like their new designs, though. And I think that um, that is another hint towards the squads um, or the scouts development um, as a team is that they've also taken on new technology and like come up with a really sleek like black and silver look for their um, their outfits probably mm-hmm. so that they can be stealthy at night but it looks really really cool um, and I think we saw them over the last three seasons with this very old technology um, and I think even when they they saw some of the new technology from Kenny's group they were pretty shocked about it but I think now they're really harnessing the knowledge that they've obtained in order to get ahead, um, to not fall too far behind the rest of the world, even though they were at a disadvantage to begin with. And then you juxtapose that with um, Magath and his troops earlier on. They've adapted the anti-Titan artillery that the Mideast force was using against them um, in the first episode. And, you know, it's funny because the troops are so triumphant about how effective this artillery is. But then you, again, you compare that to the the nimbleness and the stealthiness of the survey corps as they come in and just dominate these marley soldiers it's just funny it's nice to have them back for sure i will say that some of the new characters character designs overall um whether it's the scouts or someone or the folks from marley like they're they're okay most of them are like they're 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 fine i have no problem with them some of them i'm like meh um but sasha Sasha looks like a babe, okay? She can get it. They did her character what? design really well. No, she looks good, okay? She looks really good compared to, you know, the last several seasons. I think back to the, you know, the potato girl that we were introduced to, and I'm like, damn, Sasha, she's here with the glow up, okay? All right, one point when they zoomed in on her, like, her face just looked like a fish. Okay, well, that's just <laughs> bad animation. <laughs> but her overall design looks really good. Mm-hmm. I, I noticed that when they first came out with the key visuals, where they showed um, the scouts and like I think Levi was next to her on the left hand side of this image or whatever, and I was like, "Damn, that's Sasha! Like she looks good." So that that's one new character design I can get behind. And then you have uh, what's his name, Flock, with a slight glow up. Yeah, he had that like dead animal on his head, and he looked ugly as fuck in season three. Um, and also, he's just annoying in general. He still kind of is annoying based on his interaction with with um, with John. 
but he looks better now. He looks much better now. Yeah, he has again that that K-pop group looking haircut. He does. He's rocking it. He's he's rocking it. The episode ends with Galliard appearing, trying to take Aaron out of the Attack Titans' neck. Um, and then Levi comes in and slices his jaw. So first off, he freaks out because he's like, oh shit, is this Ackerman? Is this the Ackerman that like Zeke and everyone's been telling me about? And he's clearly terrified because Levi is, you know, terrifying. <laughs> um, so I love that the Ackermans and more specifically Levi's reputation is so well known, even though he's supposed to be like this person hidden away on an island that doesn't know anything or whatever. And then he freaks out even more because the scouts start attacking him head on. And that was fantastic. That was probably my second favorite part of this entire episode. It really puts things into perspective because I always forget that everyone on the mainland doesn't fight Titans head on like that. Um, only the, the people on or the scouts on parodies have ever really needed to go head to head with actual Titans and they've become Titan killing machines. Mm hmm. And really, everyone on Marley has no fucking clue what everyone on Paradise has been through, thanks to Reiner, Berthold, and, and Annie. So it's kind of ironic that, I don't know if, if irony is, is the correct term, but it's ironic that the Scouts um, are a formidable foe to Marley purely because of their original plan to sabotage and steal the Founding Titan four years ago. If they hadn't done that and either just attacked them directly or just kind of waited around, like the scouts would never really be a thing and parodies would have been too weak and ill-informed to defend themselves. So it's just, it's kind of funny how this all came back to bite them in the ass. And I think somebody at some point in, in this show mentions that I think it was maybe Magath in the second episode where we see like the commander who looks like Hitler for the first time. He said mm -hmm. something like this came back to bite us in the ass or whatever. And I, I think now that I understand what he's talking about. Um, again, if, if they hadn't done that, if, if they hadn't broken down the wall on that day, Paradise would have been a sitting duck. Or if you even think it on a higher level, if they just left Paradise alone and didn't have to send Titans over, there wouldn't have been any conflict in the first place. Yeah. Like everyone would just keep to themselves. I mean, obviously, like you still have the Eldians who are sequestered in the internment zone. So pity on them. But everyone on Paradise could have lived in peace, not even knowing anything outside of their island. Yeah. And, and they're so fueled by revenge because you have to think about the sacrifices that the the scouts have made, particularly human sacrifices, so that they could obtain the knowledge that they have now, right? But they wouldn't have had the motivation to find all this stuff out or even have known that this information was out there had they not been attacked by Annie, Berthold, and Reiner on that day. Or I guess technically Berthold and, and Reiner. Yeah, so I can kind of see like why um, Flock earlier in the episode was like justifying... Um, Aaron's rampage throughout throughout the internment zone because again Aaron is leading the charge against against this country that were the original aggressors um, in the whole series and one more thing with Galliard uh, the last thing he says before the um, the episode ends is like these guys are just humans yet they're coming to kill me these guys they're the devils of parodies and you get a lot of references to like this theme of like devils um in in this episode like i said earlier on flock's trying to justify aaron's actions where he says we shouldn't just wait for our deaths in the walls what we need is a devil like him with him being aaron but i think the most interesting quote surrounding devils in this episode is what magath says in the beginning where he says there is no doubt that eldians are the spawn of the devil and there's no doubt that we are devils ourselves I think that's um, a fantastic call out because it, the whole season has just been blurring the lines between good and evil. Like up mm -hmm. until this point, we saw the scouts as good and we saw Marley as bad. But now it's like the Marleyans are sacrificing their own people for their goal. And then Aaron and the scouts are sacrificing innocent lives for their goal. So really at the end of the day, they're all even in terms of how good or how bad they are. Uh, yeah, that just goes into my whole thing of this season is all about you know continuing the cycle of violence even if it's now um i guess parodies that's coming out triumphant or seeming to come out triumphant um and i'm very curious to see if this cycle is going to break or if this is just not going to end well for anybody 
But at the end of the day, I'm still on side Paradise because 100 years had passed and none of those people at Paradise at the time they were attacked were had anything to do with what had happened. Or even if they did, they lost their memories and like had no clue what was going on. So mm. to be fair, they literally didn't know what the hell was going on when Annie, Bertolt, and Reiner attacked them. So they could have just, to your point earlier, been left alone and just lived in peace and then everything would have been fine. So I'm still team Paradise on this one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The only negative comment I have about this episode, which if you've been listening to our podcast long enough, you probably won't be surprised, is that this episode has like a lot of CGI. Like both CGI Titans and Scouts, no thanks. I, I think it's one thing to have CGI Titans, I guess, because I'm, I'm guessing they're more difficult to animate with all the, the intricacies of their designs. But like... And maybe this is me being really insensitive, but how little budget does MAPPA have to have where they have to CGI scouts now? Like, as always, it's super distracting. It pulled me out of the immersion of this epic showdown. And it just, it was like, ugh, ugh. Like, I don't like seeing it. And to our point, if you listen to our Jujutsu Kaisen episode, I've also really disliked rotoscoping. And I feel like MAPPA did a terrible job with the rotoscoping in Attack on Titan. But they've also shown us the possibilities of rotoscoping if done correctly through Jujutsu Kaisen's opening um, opening theme. So I feel like maybe they're just honing their skill with CGI and they're trying their best, um, but it's still not there yet. It's still not there yet. I could still be convinced down the road if they do perfect it in the way that they're starting to perfect rotoscoping. But man, it was just so distracting for me. I feel like um, we're that Batman and Robin meme where we're always like, we're Robin or in the case where like we're saying, oh, MAPPA CGI is blah, and then everyone else is Batman like slapping us because we, we <laughs> mention it so much. But it's it's overly gratuitous in this episode. Um, again, with the parody squad, it it's like Oprah handing out like CGI, like you get a CGI, you get a CGI, you get a CGI, and like I get there are limits with traditional animation, but you can also utilize it to its full advantage. The one thing that I keep going back to is um, in season three uh, under Wit Studios' helm when they animated Levi attacking the Beast Titan. I'm pretty sure all of that was done through traditional animation and it still looked amazing. Like I watched that scene over and over again um, whenever I think about Attack on Titan and I feel like they could have applied that here with the squad traveling around Liberio. Um, but what we get is just CGI and it's something that like we'll live with, but it's not something that will certainly sit well. The other thing is with, um, Mappa style of animation, it felt like Aaron's attack Titan didn't really pop out on screen. I noticed that too. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I did notice that too. And I don't know, maybe it's again, it's, it's Mappa using thinner lines because I felt like with wit studio, everything was, Every character stuck out from the background because they gave him bolder outlines. Um, but yeah, in this case, it it didn't make the Attack Titan feel as like towering or as thunderous. And I get maybe they're just trying to be more faithful to the look of the manga, as I've read in many articles. Um, yeah, just one other gripe I have with with Mappa. On the flip side, I've been hearing, especially with the release of this episode, that. Studio Mappa is starting to receive some flack on social media um, for the animation quality of this. And here, you know, at Strictly Anime, we have our opinions. But to go that far, I think, is just completely unwarranted. And you've heard time and again on this show, we may not agree with the style, but I think we all just still need to appreciate and understand the time and effort that Mappa has put into this final season because um, they're they're putting their best foot forward for us, and that's all we can ask for. And even if I sit here or you sit here talking about, oh, Aaron looks weird, or why does that look like ragdoll physics? Like we still have to appreciate it for what they're doing. Yeah, I, I didn't even know that they were they were getting some heat about that, and it's kind of sad to hear. Because again, like our gripes are minor gripes. I mean, think yeah. about how much we've been praising this episode alone, and this is the first probably um, you know negative comment that we've had. But again, these are minor gripes. Like we can live with them. They're just something that stuck out to us, and we noticed them. But that by no means is a reflection on how Mappa is doing overall with this season. I mean, 
they are doing a phenomenal job. The writing, the animation overall, like it's all wonderful. Um, and if they continue this way, like they're they're gonna really give us a solid ending to a a pivotal story in anime. Mm-hmm. And with that said, if Attack on Titan keeps getting more and more epic like this each episode, we're all probably going to die from heart attacks by the finale. Like, this is just amazing. Like, it just, it, there were some slower parts in, in the last couple of episodes, but even those were, like, very gripping um, and very interesting. And, like, this is just an amazing episode that's going to be, like, at least a two-parter battle because the next episode is is also part of the same showdown. Oh, I'm hoping for three or four because it's just... I can't wait to see where the battle goes from here. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. And if anyone knows of Giguk, um, he's a huge, um, I guess, figure in the anime community. And he's very big on YouTube and has started his own um, podcast with two other uh, influential um, anime figures. Um, He tweeted saying, and I'll, I'll read this out verbatim. He tweeted out saying, watching Attack on Titan, I finally understand the feeling of watching a classic being made right in front of my eyes. And I could not agree with him more. I mean, this is so cool. Yeah, it's like you you think back to like Cowboy Bebop or Evangelion or Akira, like all these major um, anime that were so influential to anime overall. Um, And yeah, I think, you know, we were all around during, you know, Bebop's days and things like that. But at least we were too young to really understand what was happening. I was just starting to get into the world of anime. So to be in the the now of an anime classic being made and being delivered for the first time to us, like that is such a cool thing to experience. Yeah, and this harkens back to what I said earlier. Like just watching these episodes gave me that same like almost giddy, excited feeling of watching Game of Thrones or even like The Walking Dead in its heyday because... Yeah, it's almost like we're we're seeing this historical television. It's not almost like, but we're seeing this historical television event before our very eyes. And it, this is definitely going to be something that's going to be talked about for years to come. Yeah, again, props to MAPPA. Like, no matter what you think about their animation style or whatever, like, props to them. They are doing a fantastic job. Please keep doing what you're doing because what you're doing is absolutely right. And yeah, I, I fully trust at this point that they're going to give us a solid ending to an amazing show. Yeah. So with that said, let's go into the preview for the next episode because it looks amazing already. Um, we see Zeke and we see um, Piek and like uh, this this battle just rages on. Um, but uh, the first thing I want to say is based on our last podcast episode about the last episode of Attack on Titan... We fucking called it. We knew Reiner and Falco weren't dead, okay? Mm-hmm. And, like, Armin, as he's narrating, com- uh, confirms that. Because he says something along the lines of, like, will Falco and Reiner's cries reach... Or, no, will Falco and, and Gabby's, Gabby's cries reach Reiner? So I'm like, I knew it. We, we fucking called it. Like, there's no way that they would just kill off Reiner like that. And also, Falco, I feel like, is going to play a really big part in this show. Because the entire ending theme song, or the, the entire ending theme is focused on him. Like... He's mm. He's got a bigger role to play than he already has, and we just haven't seen it yet. And I think that preview, along with this whole episode, confirms the key visual that we always reference back to um, of the figure looking up at uh, the Attack Titan and the Survey Corps on the uh, Liberio apartment buildings. I think that's Reiner. Because, it's got to be. Yeah, because in this episode, we saw, um, what's his name, Colt? Uh, We saw Colt, and we paid attention to his armband this time, and it's a yellow armband. On the key visual, it's a red armband, so for sure that is Reiner reuniting with his past demons. (laughs) And you, at first I was like, well, maybe it's Zeke, but Zeke's hair is much darker. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's still blonde, but it's much darker than Reiner's hair, and this is like a lighter blonde. Um, So he's wearing a red armband. His hair is lighter than Zeke's hair, so it's got to be Reiner. Um, and if you haven't seen that key visual, um, like Carl mentioned, it is on, we've talked about it before. It's on our Instagram page at the Strictly series. Um, just go on there and check it out. We posted it right around the time that, um, this final season was going to premiere. So if you look at it, it's interesting. And I also didn't realize too, like when I first posted it that like, there's a lot of scouts on the rooftops. Like if you Mm. look left and right, like there's a shitload of scouts on the rooftop. And like, I think that that was a big spoiler to a certain degree as well. Um, but it's, it's a cool visual, so go check it out. But I, I'm sure it's Reiner. 
And on that thought of Falco and Reiner and how the fuck they survived, which I hope maybe they show us in the next episode, because I'm like, how the hell did they survive all of that? Um, our friend Kevin, we mentioned earlier, did, he did bring up when we were chatting with our friends about this episode that um, Piek and Porco, Porco, <laughs> he says yeah. Porco, I'm reading it verbatim. I, I, I find it weird when I say Porco, but Piek and Galliard were in that hole in the ground and Kevin says that um, they comment saying we can't transform without killing one another. But then Aaron and Reiner were in a room about the same size as that that hole in the ground that they were in. Maybe a little bit bigger, but right around the same size. So how the hell did Reiner survive Aaron's transformation? Our other friend Rob did mention that um, it, he thinks it has to do with the confined space that Piek and Galliard are in because if you think about it if it's a hole in the ground they're surrounded by a solid earth versus Aaron who was in a room kind of underground but he had like the ability to transform upward out of the ground um so who knows I don't know like it's just a very strange concept that Piek and Galliard could not transform and Aaron could transform without killing Reiner my other theory is that maybe Reiner somehow use his body as a shield because he can regenerate being a, a titan wielder at first i was thinking maybe he transformed into the armored titan to protect falco but i think he would have just smushed falco in the process right or maybe use like that crystallized shell ability that oh his hardening have. ability yeah. oh i didn't even think about that because if all the if all the titans have that then yeah he could have done that mm -hmm. oh good point but i think yeah it, it just falls down to structural integrity of both both spaces yeah because that hole in the ground was specifically designed to withhold a titan wielder from transforming mm -hmm. um the other theory that our friends have um is that reiner won't transform and attack the scouts in the next episode that he's either going to help them or be very conflicted because armin to, to our friend's point armin does say in the preview you know will gabby and falco's cries reach reiner and i think that that's not like Reiner's passed out and they're trying to wake him up kind of thing. I think that's like them trying to convince him, like, you have to help us. And then Reiner's too conflicted to do so. Yeah, and you don't see a shot of... First, you don't ever see a shot of Armin in this preview. Like, it, it's weird that you can see Zeke um, in his Beast Titan form, but you don't see Reiner at all. Um, so I think that just lends more credence to the theory that he could, you know, end up fighting alongside parodies instead of marley yeah because marley treated him like shit yeah. from the the day he was born basically to the point where he was suicidal in one of the early earlier episodes um so i could see him wanting to do some sort of like death by redemption thing like you know try to win forgiveness by helping the scouts or whatever um because as he said with his potato story at at that dinner scene you know, it well, not directly, but I think he was implying that they aren't really bad people, um, that there's more to this story than the people of Liberio know. So, yeah, I think it's going to be very difficult for him. And I'm also really excited to see a Zeke and Levi showdown, number two. So I'm hoping that's also in the next episode. Oh, uh, yeah. Best of two. They've got unfinished <laughs> business, okay? Like, Un yeah, Levi's the, the only person to give Zeke some, like, actual trauma, some actual PTSD. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'll be exciting if they do have a, another showdown. And that brings us to our final thoughts for episode 65, The Warhammer Titan. How many parodies devils out of 10 would you give this episode? I confidently would give this 10 out of 10. This was an amazing episode. Um, as I said, like a thousand times in this podcast, like it's an amazing episode. I was absolutely blown away. It it went by in a snap and I was wanting and still am wanting more. Um, and again, this is going to be one of the most difficult waits for the next episode in any anime since Reiner revealed that he was the Armor Titan. Like that's the level that this is on for me. So yes, 10 out of 10 from me. What about you? It's going to be a little conservative, but I would give this nine and a half out of 10. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like this episode was everything and more. It was certainly worth the wait. I think what's holding me back is just, you know, the overuse of CGI. Um, but as you said, I think it just, it's just goes up from here. Um, my last point that I'll make about this episode if you remember that drunkard from the festival who shows up again here, 
his last drink was on the rocks. Wow. <laughs> You've been saving that. You've been waiting oh, this whole time man. to crack that joke. Yeah. I, I thought that immediately after I saw him get pummeled to his death. <laughs> but, you know, he lived a good life. I, I guess so. <laughs> a good drunk life. <laughs> And that wraps up this special episode of Strictly Anime. New special episodes will release every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central following the new episode of Attack on Titan. This is in addition to our regular schedule for Strictly Anime. You can follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series. And check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com, where you can reach out to us to share your thoughts on Attack on Titan and this amazing episode 65. You'll also find more info on Strictly JoJo, our other podcast dedicated to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Thank you so much for listening and for all the continued support that has helped us reach the popular podcast list on Apple Podcasts. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. Sasageyo. Shinzo wa sasageyo.